Josh Easton here, Israel Uncensored, on the Land of Israel Network at thelandofisrael.com. It is Monday, the 31st of July, 2023, the 13th of Av, 573, coming to you this morning from Gush Etzion, in the hills of Judea, just south of Jerusalem, the eternal capital of the state of Israel and the Jewish people. We have a very special interview for you here on the program today. It's been a while since we've had him on the show. Mr. Dan Diker. He is the president and a fellow at the Jerusalem Center for Public Affairs. Dan, great to have you back on the show. It's been too long, my friend. It's been an awfully long time, but then again, it's all uncensored. So here we are again. We can say uh, what needs to be said. Let's do it. Let's get right to it. Um, the Jerusalem Post, this has been a top story over the last several days. Yesterday, and here again, I'm looking at the paper today, and I'm referring to the situation between. Israel and Saudi Arabia, a potential normalization deal perhaps in the works. I'll just uh, read here just the headline from yesterday's Jerusalem Post. U.S. President Joe Biden said on Friday, a deal may be on the way with Saudi Arabia after after talks his national security advisor had with Saudi officials aimed at reaching a normalization in relations between the Saudi kingdom and Israel. Dan, what is the latest on the potential for normalization between Israel and Saudi Arabia? Josh, these are statements that were made by President Biden at a, at a campaign fundraiser for his reelection uh, campaign. It reminds me of the well-known cartoon of a prisoner behind bars looking at a prime rib on the other side of the, of the cell being held up by the warden of the, of the prison. In this case, Israel would be the prisoner behind bars and there would be Uncle Sam in the big Uncle Sam Stars and Stripes hat holding out a big stake on the other side of the cell. I think it's no exaggeration to say that this is, an, a, this is a U.S. Uh, administration campaign initiative. Uh, I, I, to, be, to, to be very far reaching about it, Josh, it looks like the United States is trying to tempt Israel to change the complexion of its government. Uh, and in, at, a, um, at a minimum, it's, it's uh, by sending uh, Jake Sullivan twice within three months to Jeddah. It, 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 it seems like uh, a very optimistic uh, assessment by the United States that uh, normalization between Israel and Saudi Arabia could be in the offing. The problem is that the price of normalization as the United States is um, is pushing for it is very, very high. And the Saudis, uh, in my estimation, would not want to give the normalization prize as mediator to the United to this to this administration that has treated Saudi Arabia um, less than uh, far less than Saudi Arabia would expect uh, from the United States. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask you. You know, just several months ago, we saw the Saudis moving closer to the Iranian orbit, you know, something we hadn't seen in many, many years. Uh, Essentially, I don't know if it's a formal peace deal that Saudi Arabia now has with Iran, but certainly the warming of ties. And my assessment at the time was basically exactly what you just said, that the Saudi Arabian government does not trust the Biden administration. They say weakness there as opposed to the Trump administration. And I guess they're hedging their bets, if you will, um, and moving into the Iranian orbit. Would you agree to that assessment? I agree the assessment that it is a what, what they call in Arabic a return to diplomatic relations between the Saudi kingdom 
and the Islamic Republic of Iran. I would I, I would warn us to be to uh, to be cautious in calling it a warming of ties, as um, uh, uh, several Saudi commentators have told me recently. This is not a warming of ties. It's merely a hedge, as you called it a couple minutes ago, against U.S. weakness. The Saudis are profoundly disappointed uh, in the U.S. administration's approach to the Saudis. They're they're profoundly disappointed um, in in what they see as the U.S. disengagement uh, from the region, a turning away from the traditional Saudi-U.S. relationship, the security umbrella, uh, that has been in place since 1945 and the Roosevelt administration uh, uh, for Saudi Arabia. Saudi also expects to see Israel strong and resilient. And what has happened recently, which has sort of, I think, uh, given a little bit of credence to this uh, uh, to this uh, sort of on again, off again negotiation between the United States and Saudi Arabia is that Saudi Arabia has seen Israel um, uh, perhaps appear to be weak because of the internal strife going on within Israel. Uh, this has been a very difficult moment for Saudi Arabia vis-a-vis uh, -vis Israel. It expects Israel to be strong and resilient, which is why, um, which is why Saudi green-lighted the whole Abraham Accords with Bahrain, the UAE, and Morocco, because it saw Israel as the strong horse in the region uh, and the, the United States as the weakening superpower uh, and now uh, Israel is in a, in, a, in a tough position because of the uh, d domestic disagreement and discord. So the Saudis are sort of, as you said before, they're hedging their bets. They're engaging the United States. They're uh, on the one hand, they are uh, re-engaging the Iranian regime uh, in order to end this very bloody standoff in Yemen, uh, which uh, the Iranian regime has been pushing and clearly uh, as our listeners know here, our viewers and listeners know that the Iranian regime is destabilizing every single Arab country in the region, and it is trying to destabilize Israel by sending IRGC forces recently to Jenin, which uh, uh, the United, which uh, Israel successfully uh, killed off those uh, terrorists that are all backed by the Iranian regime. Let's be very, let's be very, very clear as to the IRGC, the Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps, the foreign ter the terror arm of the Iranian regime and its Quds Force uh, are, are actually sitting in with its proxies, Hamas and Palestinian Jihad, above Tel Aviv in the hills of Samaria. And uh, this is just, the, the Saudis know this, the Israelis know this, the Americans know this. So what's happening here is that the Americans are trying to uh, wave a really juicy stake to the Israelis uh, and say that, you know, there's possible Saudi-Israeli normalization. That's the American attempt also to divide and conquer between the Saudis, the Iranians, the Chinese, and the Russians. So, Dana, you just said that uh, Saudi Arabia values strength and is looking towards Israel, perhaps, to show signs of strength. If that is the case... Um, how does that jive with, you know, reports I'm seeing that if there was some sort of normalization deal between Israel and Saudi Arabia, the Saudis would ask then Israel to make concessions to the Arabs living under the Palestinian Authority, uh, perhaps turn over uh, land to the PA, 
maybe head back down the road towards a so-called two-state solution, of course, something I am adamantly against. Uh, what I'm asking is, does Saudi Arabia expect Israel to make concessions to the Palestinian Authority in exchange for any type of peace deal? Josh, I think this entire direction, this idea is an American idea that the Saudis are going along with. They're, the the Saudis are going along for the ride with the Americans in a big, you know, in a big, uh, you know, 1960s American Chevrolet going along for the ride. The Saudis, the Saudis have indicated that the Palestinian issue is clearly an important issue for them from the point of view of what they say in Hebrew, marit ayin meaning the way it looks uh, to the Arab street is far more important than the way it is to the Arab government in the region. And having said that, if we look at the statement by Saudi, by uh, Mohammed bin Salman, the crown prince of Saudi Arabia, as well as um, you know, some of his closest advisors, they have actually uh, backed off the demand of creating a palace, establishing a, a Palestinian state on this border or that border as a precondition to what they call tatbiyah or normalization with Israel. Their statements have indicated that they want to see progress on the Palestinian track, but they do not, they, they no longer required what had been written in the 2002 Arab Saudi peace plan or the Arab uh, peace initiative, which was, uh, uh, which was a second version of the original Saudi peace plan that came after the 2001 terror attacks uh, by Al-Qaeda on Washington and New York. Um, but it, in fact, the Americans are really looking for a, what they call, uh, I think, inaccurately a two-state solution. Their, their two-state solution is a, uh, a really, uh, it's a mistake in nomenclature. Uh, it, uh, there is a, uh, you know, the nation state of the Jewish people has been reestablished for the last 75 years. There never was talk of a Palestinian state in Oslo. This is a creation that was made on the way, but it has now become firm nomenclature in the international diplomatic community. Having said that, I think, Josh, that the, the, the Saudis are basically being plight to the Americans going along for the ride, waiting out this administration, uh, in my assessment, hoping for a Republican administration uh, to uh, to win in uh, 2024, and then they will then weigh their interests at that point. Yeah, yeah I mean, you, you know, know, the proof is in the pudding. We saw that with the Abraham Accords. You know, the rationale up until then was that until Israel would solve the issue with the Arabs living under the PA, there would be no uh, peace in the region between Israel and, and her neighbors. Yet that wasn't the case when it came to uh, the Abraham Accords, Israel and, and uh, Bahrain and Israel, United Arab Emirates. Um, so basically what you're saying is that you think that the same would hold true in a situation where Israel was normali normalizing ties with the Saudis. Um, it would not, as opposed to this administration in Washington and previous administrations, the Obama administration and others who were so obsessed with uh, with this whole issue of two-state solutions, you can envision a similar type of Abraham Accords, uh, regardless of what's going on with uh, Israel and the Palestinian Authority. I think we would refer to them as the King Salman Accords. I mean, the, the, the Saudis uh, are, are clearly the most important actor in the Arab Muslim world. Um, and they clearly, the Saudis clearly greenlighted 
um, a bypass peace arrangement, peace and normalization arrangement, arrangement with the Gulf states, uh, with well, with with the UAE, of course, and uh, and Bahrain, two of the uh, the Gulf states, uh, and therefore they eliminated the Saudis. Did what we call the Palestinian veto, meaning the notion that the Palestinian Authority or the PLO, the mother organization, could actually veto any Arab initiative uh, for peace and normalization towards Israel. So that's already been established. So the issue of Saudi normalization, which, by the way, a small secret, there really is normalization on a certain level between Mm -hmm. Israel and Saudi Arabia. Let's be very clear what has happened recently. There are overflights over Saudi Arabia for Israeli, for El Al um, uh, planes. There was a, uh, a group of young Israeli uh, girls and boys last week that were admitted to Saudi Arabia from the Israel Gaming Association on Israeli passports. Um, there is all kinds of business going on between uh, Israeli and Saudi business people. So there is a quiet normalization. And there is discussion, Josh, going on um, uh, really, um, well, I would say more than discussion. There are statements and there have been messages sent that Israel and the West would do well to be quiet about normalization and not keep putting and not to keep putting the Saudi leadership in the corner or in the spotlight by talking about this big ceremonial public uh, normalization deal between which I call the stake the big prime rib in the jailhouse, right, uh, being hung out on the other side of the cell uh, as we started the show, um, because that puts the Saudis in a very difficult position. Uh, if there is what I call quiet normalization, it will continue between Israel and Saudis. It's in both, it's in both uh, countries' interest to do such a thing. Uh, and I think that this, this talk that you see Tom Friedman uh, uh, you know, rustling up uh, to get um, uh, center stage in the New York Times is much more an attempt by the Biden administration uh, to to take a real win uh, before in advance of the uh, or simultaneous to the reelection campaign as we go forward now. Yeah, that's certainly in Thomas Friedman's interests, uh, you know, a <laughs> victory for the Democrats. That's that's definitely uh uh, what he has up his sleeve, um, but I want to return to this this morning's front page of the Jerusalem Post. Um, the headline is Israel Saudi may be linked by rail. Uh, the Prime Minister of the State of Israel referring to uh, a rail line, which actually would start in northern Israel and go down to a lot, and then perhaps continue on into Jordan and into Saudi Arabia. So we're talking about, uh, you want to call it an economic peace uh, between uh, Israel and Saudi Arabia or other opportunities between the countries, trade, investment, and whatnot. So while you mentioned a a quiet normalization, it looks like our own prime minister, Prime Minister Netanyahu, is moving even further. I guess, you know, you can speak if it, you know, in terms of the U.S. impact on what the prime minister of Israel is doing as well. But it looks like front page headlines is that the prime minister of Israel does not. He wants more than a quiet peace. Let's put it like that. He wants it out in the open. And he's talking about this rail line. I guess it would be at this point, it's a symbol of perhaps a open normalization. What, what can you what can you say about, you know, the prime minister's comments, the rail line, 
and the opportunities for uh, economic peace between the two countries. Well, I would love to be a fly in the walls. I'm sure you would be in the prime minister's office, a national security council, you know, where where National Security Advisor Tsaka and Egg, the prime minister and, and probably uh, Minister Dermer would be talking about the regional approach. It's clear that Prime Minister Netanyahu and um, and Mohammed bin Salman see the region quite similarly. They both see a major opportunity for uh, uh, for economic uh, development uh, in which both Israel and Saudi Arabia, in I think the minds of both leaders, uh, Netanyahu and MBS, they see both countries, the kingdom is startup kingdom and Israel is startup nation. And the vision of Mohammed bin Salman, uh, this man is a visionary. He is a, uh, a young leader, you know, barely 40 years, uh, barely uh, 40 years old, uh, under 40 years old, and he has an economic vision called Saudi 2030 that sees the kingdom as the major economic, strategic, high-tech, innovation nation in the Middle East. And, and Mr. Netanyahu has seen it that way for years. Uh, and so I think both men uh, really meet. It's a meeting of the mind in terms of creating an interconnected uh, region. Uh, that uh, uh, that becomes far more prosperous, far more stable because of uh, economic opportunity. Let's remember, Josh, back in 2011, when Barack Obama was talking mistakenly about a more democratic Middle East, when the uh, Tunisian uh, vendor uh, lighted himself on fire, he was talking about they were uh, the the Tunisian vendor killed himself on the basis of economic inequality. It wasn't democracy per se, it was economic peace he was looking for. And I think uh, that is very clear to the, the, uh, the Sunni leaders of the region, very clear to Mr. Netanyahu. Unfortunately, uh, there's been way too much talk and way too much emphasis in my assessment on the Palestinian issue, which the Arab, which the Arab leadership has clearly said uh, both directly and indirectly, is a failing situation. The Palestinian Authority is a terrorist kleptocracy. They know it. I have heard it directly from Saudi commentators uh, and, and indirectly from other leaders in the region uh, that whom I've spoken to personally, in which they've said the Palestinian Authority has robbed us of the monies that we, or they have stolen, essentially, the monies and misappropriated them the monies that they were given for the Palestinian people uh, and their, the, the Palestinian leadership has really burned its bridges uh, with a lot of the, um, the Arab uh, leaders in the region. And that is why the Abraham Accords were done, because the, 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 it was a bypass road on the Palestinian issue. That's where we are today. However, the, the more violence there is from the Palestinian side that forces Israel to react and respond uh, in uh, counter-terror operations, um, the more that this, the Arab street sympathizes with the Palestinian people because, uh, because of, uh, for obvious reasons. So that is the, uh, that's the little bit of the, uh, of the sticky point here where Israel has to maintain as much quiet and stability as possible in Judea and Samaria, the areas under Palestinian authority control, the Hamas, as well as the, the Palestinian Islamic Jihad reporting directly to Tehran, 
Uh, it is in their direct interest to uh, uproot and destabilize uh, as much as possible the, uh, the areas under PA control, putting the PA in a ridiculous position and, and forcing Israel to respond in order to maintain the, the calm. Well, it's truly a, sh- a shame, really, that the Saudis are able to see and admit the fact that the Palestinian Authority is a corrupt entity and those who fund it are simply throwing their money down the toilet. Um, unfortunately, most of the Western world, the European Union and the State Department, uh, the Biden administration, um, don't view it that way and continue to fund them, even as they continue to operate their pay-to-slay program and embezzle millions and millions of dollars from both the EU and, and the U.S. and all the other donor nations. But I want to just wrap it up with uh, one last question. Um, is there any way you can put a, from where you're sitting over there, the Jerusalem Center of Public Affairs, can you put any sort of time frame on a potential normalization deal? Again, this is, this is you know, now front page headlines in terms of a possibility, but anything in terms of uh, from what you know, uh, concrete steps here in the near future, in the next 30, 60, 90 days, maybe it's even longer than that, maybe it's six months to a year or even further down the road, any time frame you can give us, Dan? I can see a process, Josh. Uh, I met yesterday with a very senior um, member of uh, Mahmoud Abbas's Fatah party, someone who's uh, very moderate, um, uh, one, uh, who was one of the founding members of the Fatah. And we had a long discussion about what what could possibly happen. And this particular individual suggested that the, the pathway has to come through a federal and confederal relationship between the Palestinian Authority uh, and its Jordanian neighbor, which is to say that it would not threaten Jordan's sovereignty or security or stability in any way, but that the roadmap, uh, to use a weathered term, uh, would include a possible agreement uh, for security cooperation, financial cooperation between the Palestinian Authority um, in Area A and, uh, and parts of Area B, which is about uh, up to 40 percent of Judea and Samaria, um, and, the, and, and with Israeli cooperation to go and visit with the, to go and visit with the Saudis. Um, and and to sort of lay out what I call a stabilization plan. If if you or I were Palestinian leaders, we would be celebrating all the way to the bank that we had Israel as our neighbor. Israel is the best possible neighbor for any fledgling uh, Arab or any other state anywhere in the world. Innovation, technology, great economy, basically very stable democracy, notwithstanding you know, the the challenges to our democratic flexibility over the over the recent uh, weeks and months. Uh, and in fact, I, it's clear that many in the Palestinian leadership know this. I, the the Saudis are looking for some sort of pathway to progress, Josh, um, for the Palestinians and the Israelis so that they can make an argument to the Arab street that things are going in the right direction. Um, Mahmoud Abbas is unhealthy at 88 years old. Uh, you know, filled with steroids, and uh, and it remains to be seen who will fill uh, uh, who will fill his 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 shoes. As we, I would be unsurprised if we saw this change happen in the coming twelve months. Uh, 
And clearly it's in the Palestinian Authority interest to stabilize its own areas economically. So there is an economic pathway here that the Saudis would be looking for in order to enhance a type of stability uh, on the ground uh, in uh, the Palestinian uh, controlled areas. And Israel has various economic plans to help its Palestinian Authority neighbors. Uh, the, the, the question is, can that happen uh, to a, a point at which perhaps the Saudis would open an interest office in Tel Aviv um, and we could begin to see a pathway towards uh, what we would say more public normalization. But I would uh, part from you by saying that right now under these uh, very difficult situation with Iran, with Iranian regime on the march towards 90% weapons grade uranium enrichment, towards a ballistic missile um, and towards a nuclear uh, weapons program that it would really behoove um, Israel and, and the Saudis to continue working quietly together, as well as with other Gulf countries, um, and no need right now to have big ceremonies on, uh, not on the White House lawn or not, in, uh, or not in Jeddah or anywhere else at this particular juncture. It's overplayed. And and quiet normalization uh, seems a very prudent way to go at this at this moment. Dan Diker, president and fellow at the Jerusalem Center for Public Affairs, I want to thank you so much for your time here this morning, um, folks. I hope you are taking all of this in. You are getting top level expert analysis from Dan, who is on the front lines of what you are reading about in the newspaper, giving you behind the scenes as to what's going on with Israel. Uh, the United States, and, of course, Saudi Arabia. We'll see what happens here in the near future. But, Dan, I want to thank you so much for your expert analysis. Have a great day. And, you know, you mentioned stakes several times. I mean, I know we're after the nine days of uh, a morning here um, in the Jewish religion. We've, we've finished Tisha B'Av, and now you can go back and eat meat. And it sounds like you're, you're a little hungry over there. You mentioned steak, I think, like three times, Dan. Are you, are you going to be getting a good steak here uh, this afternoon? Josh, the people, uh, my people say that the land of Israel, uncensored, the land of Israel network actually invites its guests once a year to have a big fat steak at one of the Jerusalem uh, restaurants. So I'm going to I'm going to take you up on that. Well, I'll talk I'll talk to the bosses uh, here or you can go visit them, you know, up at the farm here. I'm sure they can provide you with some quality meat over there in the uh Eastern Gush Etzion Hills overlooking the Dead Sea over there at the Land of Israel uh, Network headquarters. So we'll have to make that happen. We'll have to get together and uh, and see that through. Dan Diker, have a wonderful day. Thank you so much for uh, coming on the program today. Thank you for hosting me. It's been a pleasure. And folks, I, I think that's going to do it for today. I mean, you know, there, there's a lot of other news going on. We didn't get to some of the other stuff going on here in, in Israel. Um, you know, I'm honestly tired of talking about all of the other judicial reform and all those other issues going on, but here's uh, expert analysis that you're not going to get really anywhere else. So thanks to Dan for that. Um, want a big, uh, big shout out to Benjamin Bresky, engineer extraordinaire, Tabitha Epstein for everything she does behind the scenes on Monday, the 31st of July, 2023, 13th of Av, 5783 coming to you from Gush Etzion, hills of judea folks it is a beautiful day i'm looking outside the window here the birds are chirping the sun is out come and visit us here in the land of israel 
And of course, listen to all the programming on the Land of Israel Network. Get in touch with me during the week, Josh, at thelandofisrael.com, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, your social media outlet of choice. Everyone out there in the wonderful world of ours, be safe. Shalom, shalom from the hills of Judea, just south of Jerusalem, the eternal capital of the state of Israel and the Jewish people. Have a great week, everybody. Hey, everybody, you're listening to the Land of Israel Network. Check out my show, the Ishai Fleischer Show, with Torah, politics, insights, and spirituality, and the face of Moses. The light that shines from him is shining onto you. Shine it back to us here in the Land of Israel Network. Can't wait to see you on the Ishai Fleischer Show. The Yishai Fleischer Show, the voice of a new generation of pro-Israel activists. Every week on the Land of Israel Network at thelandofisrael.com.